The reason why Tesla had a pressure gauge on the dashboard of the Piercero and Peter Sever along to keep his eye nailed to that pressure gauge is because it was not a pressurized capacitor as Byron Brubaker told me several years ago. I mean, not in my opinion. In my opinion, it's a pressurized spark gap with a noble gas. And the purpose of pressurization... See, Byron was working off of a Tesla patent, so he felt he had evidence. I don't have evidence. I just have logic, uh, speculation, and inspiration. A little mixture of everything. So if the molecules of a noble gas are closer together, I'm theorizing that it's easier or it's a lower voltage to break down the barrier reef, so to speak, of resistance that that noble gas has for the formation of current, much less the reversal of current. Or, right. So, (laughs) it's nice, reversal of current, but first we have to have current. And we have resistance to work against. So instead of having 45 volts... uh, as the breakdown point for helium, or 60 to 90 for the case of neon, by pressurizing it, the space between the molecules of the noble gas is closer together, and that makes it easier for arcing to occur. You don't have such a great distance, you don't have to have such a big voltage to overcome to arc across that empty space between the molecules when they're closer together. Also, when they're close together, the pressure goes up. And when the pressure goes up, the excitation, the energy level of the molecules goes up. And that contributes to its ability to break down resistance. Um, Probably because the frequency of randomized movements, for lack of a better term, although they are not randomized, (laughs) they are highly coordinated and intelligent movements, be that as it may, we like to call them randomized because we can't make any sense out of it, any sense of order, orderliness. Um, the rate of those random movements on average probably goes up so that the average frequency of oscillations of those movements, the average oscillation um, as a uh, collective statistic of all the molecules taken together, probably goes up, which means its potential energy goes up because reactance is regulated by frequency among other factors such as capacitance and inductance. And so when frequency goes up, very often, more often than not actually under simulation, the kinetic, the the self-compounding interest rate of so-called free energy, (laughs) um, or better known as electrical reactance when the amps and the volts are out of phase by half a cycle, goes up per unit time and thus you overcome entropy more readily see this is we have a race we're racing against entropy in a framework of time and depending on what your load is what your losses are some total all of that that's your total entropy and you got to race against it so it's you know free energy is not a denial of entropy it simply learns how to outrun it that's all and it's like the devil's at your heels, and you've got to make sure he's not at your heels. He's a mile or two away behind you, <laughs> certainly not in front. 
Um, <clears throat> so that's what I think is going on in the two pressurized canisters that have a single aluminum line leading to a single electrode entering that canister of a dielectric uh, vessel material leading out in opposite directions from the um, main aluminum trunk line and the main aluminum trunk line unites the two bases of the two transistors. Um, but we want to lower the voltage breakdown of these canisters as low as possible to create a greater difference between their voltage breakdown and the voltage breakdown of the canister that's replacing the, the space between the copper spheres as well as probably the space inside the copper spheres. I mean, I keep wondering, well, why spheres? Why didn't he just put a copper end cap, you know, on the end of those copper tubings? Because they're copper piping, basically. In the hardware store, you get end caps just like you do for PVC pipe. Well, he chose not to do that, and there must have been a reason. So, um, I'm guessing the interior space, something's going on in the spheres more so than in the tubes themselves or else you wouldn't have had the spheres there at their terminus at the terminus see okay here's a reason a good reason you increase inductance that's right that's right inductance goes up when the diameter of those spheres is greater than the diameter of the tubes now in my presentation uh, at the uh, computer database conference on the reversal of time, blah, 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 associated with my um, peer review article. Um, I swept aside everything about the peer review article, and I thought, well, I already talked about that. I'm not going to repeat myself. So I gave a rundown on some pointers, a few hints on how to create a free energy circuit. One was to starve it. Don't give it the full amount of voltage because that will repress over reactants. But also... You have an open transmission line, and at one end, at least one end, you have a self-shorted loop. And that seems to work very nice as an archetype, a very vague, generalized archetype to describe the kind of circuits I've done over and over again, so many different variations. This seems to keep coming up in a lot of them. Not all of them. They use various techniques, but this is one of them. And it works because you get voltage, because you've segregated your manipulation of electricity. The electrostatic, the dielectric force you manipulate in the open transmission line, and the magnetic you uh, manipulate in the self-short at the end, at, at least one end of that open transmission line. Um, and now you've satisfied the criteria of the two forces because the dielectric force wants to terminate on a point and you have it, the two endpoints of the open transmission line. And magnetism wants to go into orbit uh, tied to itself around an electrostatic point, although that's not exactly the way it works in my circuits by way of their electric connection because a point on the circumference of that circle, that loop, is one of the terminus ends of that open transmission line. To be that as it may, it satisfies all these various criteria that has to do with the manipulation of electricity by manipulating the ingredients of electricity. Then, of course, we have frequency and duration, two aspects of time. And then there's phase relation, another aspect of time. I mean, well, but we don't manipulate phase relation. We create 
the opposition of amperage from voltage so that we can get the generation of power within negative watts, negative reactants within, well, not negative watts, negative reactants within the uh, circuit. It becomes negative watts when it meets up with simple resistance, be that as it may. Um, so this is my take on why it's necessary to pressurize the noble gas. Um, because we want to make sure the air spark gap canister at one end of the two copper or one end of the two copper lines representing the two copper tubes that point representing this, the location of the two spheres substituting for them uh, has to be a higher, much higher breakdown voltage point in order to ensure that it does not break down because that's going to be the conductor of the orchestra making sure that the pressurized canisters or I should say not the pressurized canisters, the iron wire surrounding the pressurized canisters, something that is conductive and exhibits inductance, will generate power. Because we already have the voltage. That's not a problem. That's building up on the copper side, transferred over to the pressurized canisters, and then transmitted to the copper wiring, the copper coil. Or excuse me, the iron, the iron wire. i got to think, got to focus. The iron uh, coil surrounding those pressurized canisters of noble gas. Um, and that, so that's where the power is going to come in when the current kicks in. If the current doesn't kick in, we won't get any power. All we'll have is voltage. But once the, we can manifest current, we've already manifested the voltage, but once we can add in the additional manifestation of current to the manifestation of voltage, now we got power. And that's what we want, power. Um... So that's the need for the pressurization, is to improve the power. I knew that part, but I wasn't sure why. Um, and it may be that keeping a large, enlar an enlarged difference of voltage breakdown between the pressurized canisters of noble gas and the... Well, you know, now that I think of it, we might as well depressurize the, can the uh, spark gap canister of air and make it as near a vacuum as we can. So that's really two gauges on the dashboard to keep track of. One very low and one much higher than atmospheric pressure. Interesting, that's right. Wow. Well, <laughs> if one goes one way, the other one goes the other way, right? So yeah, now that makes sense. That makes total sense. So now that um, depressurized or nearly vacuum air canister spark gap replacing the uh, copper spheres starts to look very similar to a vacuum capacitor. Very similar. But we've already got a capacitor below that in the middle of the two copper lines, um, which... I mean, and then further uh, along, we have the copper-based transistor, which is now not filled with a liquid. It's simply conditioned with a liquid, borax or baking soda solution, but then refilled with a dielectret to help us store voltage so that we could pre-charge that dielectret with a voltage charge when we uh, form it, when we fill it into the... 
dielectric canister, let's say glass tube, if all these tubes are glass vessels, um, then we'll have a permanent voltage charge, and so we never have to use anything such as a battery in a car to get the thing start, kick started because we've already done that when we formed the transistors. Now, do we pressurize the dielectric uh, goopy? you know, recipe uh, that Mark McKay mentioned of uh, pine, rose, and beeswax and carnauba wax. Would it matter? <laughs> Could we <laughs> uh, pressurize something so uh, viscous? Hmm, not too easy, huh? It could be done. Would it uh, benefit any? See, I never thought of that. And the capacitor, the so-called Leyden jar, um... I don't know. It might have just been a mica capacitor. I mean, the Amon brothers might have used a Leyden jar, but um, and if Tesla had to use a vacuum tube as his capacitance, then the only difference between that and the spark gap vacuum is that the spark gap vacuum has two needle electrodes while the capacitor vacuum capacitor has two plates inside um, that vacuum glass vessel. Um, weird. Why would that... Oh, right. Because when you want to create a, neon, uh, excuse me, a negative ion generator, you always want the negative terminal to be a needle, and then you surround it with a ring that's your positive terminal because you want to encourage ions to come off the tip of the needle, so you want a sharp point. So that's why a spark gap has needle-shaped electrodes, but even though it's designed otherwise the same as a vacuum tube capacitor, the difference is you've got two surfaces of plates, and it's not going to be very uh, um, easy for ions to form off of those plates because the surface area, the voltage um, is not as concentrated adjacent to the molecules of whatever gas is in that vacuum tube. So, I mean, if it's air or if it's some other uh, specialized uh, gas that has a very high uh, voltage breakdown to begin with, I mean... You know, air is made up of mostly nitrogen gas, so what if we just made it pure nitrogen gas? Maybe it would elevate the voltage breakdown above 1,000 volts. That's what's the breakdown for air. Maybe it would be higher if it was just pure nitrogen gas, and it's not hard to get pure nitrogen gas these days. I filled up my tires when I was living in Washington State with nitrogen gas, and it's, it's a pretty good deal. Much better for the tires and for, yeah, different features. I forget what they were, <laughs> different benefits. So if that's the way to improve things, to get, again get a greater diversity between the now, you, you, we're talking, okay, evacuate it, fill it with nitrogen, evacuate it, fill it with nitrogen, do that a few times, and then evacuate it, and now you've got a vacuum tube spark gap that is, whose residual gases is, is for the most part, pure nitrogen. And we all know the power in the triple bond of nitrogen, Right? of dinitrogen uh, molecule, right? It's humongous. 
if we mix, uh, no, we don't want to mix hydrogen. <laughs> Duh, come on, think. <laughs> oh, sometimes I could be stupid. Um, <laughs> well, no, if there's no oxygen in there, it won't matter, will it? And if it doesn't, ah, if it does not turn into a plasma, it definitely does not matter. Mm, I would go with the pure nitrogen. I, I just, I don't know. For safety's sake, I've just got my heebie-jeebies over adding any oxygen or hydrogen into that mix. Be just pure nitrogen. That's my, okay, that's a speculation, how to improve things further. But it's along the same lines of reasoning. So we still have all the elements of the Amon circuit. It's just shrunk down, economically shrunk down, made more efficient, more power gain. The frequency goes up, so that helps improve the rate of reactants to counterpoise the rate of entropy so that now we can suffer or burden the power station with a greater entropic loss by having a 4,000-pound Pierce Arrow instead of a lightweight electric car that the Amon brothers were using and a nice, powerful AC motor, two-phase according to... <laughs> I'm sorry, I didn't try to memorize your username on Energetic Forum. Um, suggest... or stipulated that Tesla, for the most part, dealt with two-phase motors. So <clears throat> for his AC motor, uh, it would be nice. Two-phase AC motor, uh, it would have a lot of kick, a lot of power supplied to it, which you would want <laughs> if he wants to reach 90 miles per hour in a reasonable length of time. <clears throat> so I think that concludes this recording. I'm having trouble finding ways to post the video that I made of the schematic uh, of this design. It's the first time I've actually drawn a schematic <laughs> for your benefit. I mean, I did one prior for my benefit, but heck, heck it was, you know, in, in piecemeal too. But this one is the Piercer version, not the Amon version, because I figure, what the hey? Why? You know, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi always said, go for the, capture the fort. Don't bother with the silver mines and gold mines because you control them if you capture the fort. But if you go after the silver mine, that's all you'll have is the silver mine. You won't have anything else. And you know what? That's a pretty good idea. So always go for the top. <laughs> always go for the... Don't settle for anything less than the best. So why not go for the Piercera version even though we don't know anything about it and we all say... Everybody, well, not me, but what everybody else says, it's a bunch of hooey. Well, I hold it's not hooey. It's just a more advanced version of the Amman circuit. So with that presumption in mind, it's possible to placate that presumption by improving upon the speculated version of the Amman circuit and just make it better. Now, I have to stipulate that it has to be a dielectric version of transistors in both cases. The, the water solution was, I thought, was in the Amon case and not in the Piercero case, but it's impossible, I think. <laughs> and that's probably why Aaron or a bunch of other people were questioning that, huh? <laughs> yeah, I do too now. Um, it makes sense. Your questioning is, I think I have to agree with it. But other than that, everything else changes. So that's probably the only part. Uh, and the iron winding is not replaced, it's simply shrunk down because it not as much will be needed and it'll probably be wound closer, probably directly on top or around the outer surface of the pressurized canisters of noble gas. 
in all likelihood. That's my guess estimate. Uh, maybe a figure eight winding around one and then the other. I don't know. Um, because then it's a reversal. Um, when you do a figure eight, it's uh, kind of like counterwinding one verse as compared to the other. And since the two tubes are now lined up in a linear fashion, parallel with each other, their electrostatic forces are going to be um, kind of dragged along, shall we say, by the reversal of the magnetic forces. And that's going to be a tension. And that might be useful to create that tension, that counterpoise, that uh, tug-of-war, shall we say, between the electrostatic force, or if you prefer to say the dielectric force and the magnetic. That might uh, be useful. Anyway, uh, more speculation. <laughs> um, boy, it's so easy to speculate. It doesn't cost me anything, but it's great. It's very inspiring. Uh, when you've got uh, uh, the outlook that I generally have throughout the day, uh, I can feel pretty glum <laughs> about my the outlook of my personal affairs. So, this is my elixir of hope, my man of La Mancha, stab at the windmill, fake dragon, hopeful dreaming that it could prove useful and beneficial and maybe even practical and uh, doable and produce results. At least that's what I hope for. That is the hope.